0: This is Mindset for Success, with your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen. Each week, she will interview women entrepreneurs to explore the unconscious psychological struggles they faced as they build their businesses and how they overcame them. Here's your host, Leslie Knudsen.
1: Connie, I wanted to welcome you today on my podcast, and I'm really excited to share your story with our listeners. I'm going to uh, say a little bit about your background, which is super interesting. Um, Connie Kwan is a management executive from Silicon Valley with 15 years of product leadership experience. She's an entrepreneur, advisor, and an active speaker on the topic of product storytelling. Her class storytelling for startup CEOs and product leaders have helped over 2,000 leaders, the majority of whom identify as female and minority, and help them building their story skills. She has founded two startups and helped many founders craft and deliver their product visions. She's a master of engaging different audiences through powerful narrative. Currently, she lives with her husband and daughter in California and enjoys partner dancing, snorkeling in tropical places, and camping in the great outdoors. So welcome.
2: Thank you, Um, Leslie. Great to be here.
1: Connie, as you know, it takes a lot to be a successful female entrepreneur. And of course, business acumen is key. But we rarely talk about those psychological challenges that women often face to achieve that success. And I refer to those often as those negative, sometimes persistent thoughts that can create doubt and undermine success and destroy self-confidence, risk-taking, and sometimes even decision-making. I wanted to start with you a little at the beginning and ask you a little bit to talk to us about your path to become an entrepreneur.
2: My dad was an entrepreneur. Uh, He, along with the family, started a business in in Canada, actually, uh, in Mm -hmm. the 90s, building computers. And I had a chance, I had a front row seat to that journey. Um, Mm -hmm. I would go to his office after school every day, and he taught me how to build computers. So Mm -hmm. that was my exposure to computers, actually. And uh, I eventually took uh, computer engineering. Because, well, one, I was competitive and <laughs> I liked it because it was the hardest one to get into. Um, yeah. But also because of my exposure, you know, um, I started coding early and, and liked the kind of instant gratification that you get. You code it, you run it, and you can see mm-hmm. it happen real time. So um, I studied that and, and, you know, I think the entrepreneur bug has always been planted in me because I got to see him building his business Right. Uh, and and it became a part of me um, and I really wanted to have that uh, have that challenge. Um, I enjoyed working in all aspects of the business. Um, and that's that, that's probably why I ended up in product management um, because product management is probably closest to starting mm-hmm. your own business in, in terms of being understanding of all aspects of the business uh, because mm-hmm. it's the glue. it's really the glue, between engineering between marketing sales it's understanding all the pieces of the business so that you can take a product to market Mm -hmm. so a you know intrapreneur perspective uh, that's probably the closest profile to it i know that you started one
1: company in canada when you were still i think in college and then your second company has been in the last couple of years is that right
2: yeah so my first business was uh, with a with a uh, classmate of mine and we we started building something for one of my dad's clients actually um, so he made computer mm-hmm. hardware for them uh, of course they needed software and at the time this was in99 90, maybe um, mm-hmm. they all the software comes in a box and you install it on a CD back then and mm-hmm. what they did was software that allows is a trucking company and they wanted to be able to talk amongst they had people on headphones every day talking to the truckers and saying okay this is the route you're going today and it's very dynamic actually um, and they change mm-hmm. their route depending on where the, where the load is going to be so um, they had these customer service people basically that are trying to communicate on the excel spreadsheet but right now they have to look over each other's shoulders to do it at the time um, and they wanted an Excel spreadsheet that updates live so that everybody's looking at the same spreadsheet, basically. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you use Google Sheets, you know what I'm talking about. That's the technology mm-hmm. For sure yeah. um, back then. And they didn't have it back then, right? Excel Sheets is all separately installed in each computer. So my partner and I we built that software. Um, and and so we basically had Google Sheets, you know, ten years before Google Sheets was built off of Excel. But we didn't know, we didn't know the value of that, of that creation. Like we were still college kids. We were, right. you know, studying. Yeah. We had dreams. I had dreams about moving out to California. Um, mm-hmm. And so we we didn't really continue that business. But if we had, if we had the right mentorship and the right kind of um, connections with people who would use a tool like that at scale, that could have been a really good business also. So mm-hmm. um, you know, I you know, looking back, it's like, oh, you know, would have been nice to pursue that, but but also at the same time, I had different priorities back then. You know, I wanted to travel, I wanted to um, learn business, um, I wanted to come out, move out here to California, um, and but that was the start of it. And and now, mm-hmm. I have a business uh, teaching storytelling classes and also consulting with clients on product strategy. Mm-hmm. And it's a slightly different business. Um, this one's right. more education. Uh, you know the world has changed, right? It's it's much more. You can create solopreneur businesses now. Um, you can use services online to automate a lot of stuff that you would mm-hmm. otherwise hire staff to do. So uh, now I have a business that allows me to uh, be flexible in my life and you know automate a lot of the of the class work, but also engage live with my students because I enjoy that side of it, and and that's mm-hmm. the high value of class is that engagement. Um, but the tooling out there is amazing. And, and for anyone who's starting business now, it's just, you know, it's easier to do checkout. Um, it's mm-hmm. easier, uh, outreach. It's a lot of things are actually easier now to start your own business and you can start with a very small crew and, and be able to reach customers globally. So it's a very interesting time for entrepreneurs. Tell me about, uh, tell me something,
1: the risk between starting the first company and the and your current company was the same, less, um, harder,
2: easier. Yeah, interestingly, I think the risk, the opportunity cost, I should say, of starting the business. If when I was in college, if my college had had a startup incubation program, like a lot of colleges do now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had, you know, identified my company and said, "Hey, you guys should pursue this and, and kind of coach us through that." Um, that would have been the time for me to start it. I think um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have wanted to because I really wanted to move out <laughs> yeah, and go see girl. the world. Uh, so that would have been the trade off. But from an opportunity cost perspective, it was lower because mm-hmm. I had nothing nothing to lose. I don't have a I don't have um, kind of another offer, if you will. Mm-hmm. That would have been uh, really lucrative, right? Like, mm-hmm. yes, I had offers to go start a job, but they were all entry level jobs. Mm-hmm. Versus versus now to go out on my own, you know, if I think opportunity costs, hey, I could take this offer <laughs> on my table that right. is right. significant, right? And and so when you start a business, you're going to uh, start at a lower income and build that mm-hmm. up again. So it, it's it's mm-hmm. taking a risk, saying, hey, do I trust? my capability enough, um, do I think this idea will work, that mm-hmm. I can take that risk? Um, and of course, you know, you can always go back and take those offers, you know, and that's part of like, hey, you know, if this doesn't work out, I can go take those offers again. But, you know, I set myself years, a couple of years back, right? Um, sure. And, and you know, you set yourself a couple of years back in some ways, but in other ways, you've also grown. Entrepreneurship mm-hmm. puts you mm-hmm. on those paths. So mm-hmm. it's hard to say. It's like, what do you want out of life at the end of the day, right? Do you want those experiences? <laughs> right. Are you trying to optimize for a lot of income? What are you right. optimizing for, right? Because you can't take all the roads. <laughs> exactly. There's only one way to live, and and you just gotta figure out what you're optimizing for. Um, would you consider yourself someone who hasn't always fit in? Yeah, I would say that um, I, I immigrated from Hong Kong to Canada when I was 11 years old. Mm-hmm. So in, in Hong Kong, uh, I felt like I was pretty popular in school there. And mm-hmm. uh, moving to Canada changed that because mm-hmm. I, I the personality necessary to be popular there is different than the one here, than the one For in sure. North America. Right. Different culture. And of course, you know, I, my, I'm i still struggling with the language. Um, it's, it's just hard to imagine being the popular kid when you're just joining the group. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I did grow up um, kind of feeling out of place. Right. I, I moved to uh, at the time, a lot of people moved from Hong Kong to Canada. Uh, most of them moved to Toronto, actually. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. didn't move to Toronto. I moved like an hour's out from Toronto, like a smaller, mm-hmm. uh, not town, but it's a it's a suburb and mm-hmm. uh i was like one of two asian kids mm-hmm. in school how were you able to handle that uh you know actually innocence is bliss in some ways <laughs> i i did not understand a lot of i could speak i can write english really well i was writing at a level beyond my ears at years at the time mm-hmm. so i went to an english immersion school actually but mm-hmm. they didn't focus on the speaking side of the language, mm-hmm. so my speaking was terrible. Like I was, mm-hmm. I was barely understanding. They were speaking super fast, and you know I could catch maybe twenty percent. And and you know there, were, I knew there were kids making fun of me, um, but I didn't know what they were saying. So <laughs> did, did of- it ever did it ever
1: <laughs> impact you in terms of being doubtful of your capabilities? I don't know to make friends or to be um successful in school
2: uh I actually became a really good chameleon as a Mm -hmm. as a result of of moving and I I could blend into a lot of environments in fact um when I went to college we had a co-op program and every four months we would go uh you would go to school for four months then you would go work somewhere for four months and a lot of you know that's one of the first uh, ways I got out to California is I, I actually mm-hmm. ended uh working at companies in California and fall, falling in love with, with the West Coast. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I was able to kind of pick up the environment really quickly because that was the skill basically I was trained to do is you mm-hmm. get dropped you know, you get you get just airdropped into a new place with mm-hmm. a language you sort of understand, with people that has different culture and just you just gotta figure it out. You know, you think go swim. So, so that's an important skill that I I had an opportunity to learn as a result of this experience. In
1: Hong Kong, did you have that skill, or you think you developed it later when you came to Canada?
2: I I think that was the turning point of developing that skill. Mm -hmm. Um, Because then Mm -hmm. in Hong Kong, I was in the same school. You know, I had right obviously different, but like you know, I was in the same environment for many years, for Mm -hmm. four or five years, Um, and and you don't need to. Right, you speak the mm-hmm. language. For you, sure. you don't need to. You know, you learn things when you have to. <laughs> That's kind right. of helpful. Right. How
1: For it sure. comes
2: down, and and being forced into a new vi- environment suddenly puts you in a situation where you're like, okay, well, I gotta, I gotta watch people and their body language and understand what this what's happening. I don't quite get the verbal language yet. Mm-hmm. And then you you know you make some attention to the details. Hey, pay attention to detail um you make some new friends i i remember being on the phone with a friend of mine you know also teenage girls right so you're on the phone constantly right. Hold, holding up the only line in the house back then <laughs> before mm-hmm. cell right. and we, we were on the phone for three hours and mm-hmm. uh, just crazy because she was like i could walk to her house so <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> but, but we were on the phone it's your three.
1: english lesson in for the day
2: Yeah, it actually was. It actually was. I, you know, I wasn't thinking about it that way, but it really was, um, you know, she was forgiving. Like I would say wrong things. She would correct me and we were just Mm -hmm. hanging out with friends, but, but that really was my training ground.
1: Mm -hmm. Do you consider yourself someone who thinks outside the box, maybe even breaks the rules at time, um, expects options and diversity? And if so, did it ever take you too far outside the box?
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, when people ask, do you want A or B? I'll always say, can I have both? Or mm-hmm. is there a C option? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Right, right. Um, so I, I kind of refuse to accept what's what's there, what's on the surface, um, mm-hmm. because there's different context to draw from, right? Mm-hmm. The rules are different and different. I think if you grow up in one, uh, one culture, one society, which I did for, you know, the first Gen- 10 years, Life, yeah then you you though some rules are just unbreakable you're like oh these are these are the rules these are the cultural mm-hmm. rules the written rules whatever it is right and you mm-hmm. accept those rules you accept them as as gospel and then you go to a different culture and the rules are completely different right and then realize oh wait the rules are written by people somebody decided this was the rule but it's not it's not like physics it's not the same <laughs> as physics, right and so you start questioning be like wait You want me to, you want me to, like, for example, in a restaurant, very simple example, right? In a restaurant, in a Western restaurant, if you want forks and knives, you would ask the server for it, right? You would Mm -hmm. never just walk up to their station and grab it. Well, in a Chinese restaurant, like, you know, not the super high upscale Chinese restaurant, just a regular Chinese restaurant, it's okay. Like, if they're busy and you really need chopsticks, you just go station you grab some chopsticks nobody's gonna be like think you're rude right they'll be right. like okay, oh, whatever. you know they might think it's a little uh eh, you know you could ask me mm-hmm. but they, they wouldn't get offended right because mm-hmm. are different so those social rules are different um and right. so you know understanding like the different contexts and kind of seeing these differences kind of opened my eyes to okay this could be outside the box the the solutions we have in front of us aren't the only solutions mm-hmm. and that's of what i do in in product management and leadership actually right, exactly it's exactly right. that is it's helping people see the new options um mm-hmm. around the corners and putting brains together because you mm-hmm. take and that's why diversity is great because diversity are these small experiences that you see right like people who you know go to one restaurant and go to another restaurant and see the different rules and they realize oh the world can be different um and those small examples opens up your mind to see around the corners everywhere um mm-hmm. so Right. diverse teams are so powerful because you bring all the brains together and you say, look, we have this problem. Let's see how you see it. Let's see how you see it. And let's come together with a new understanding of the problem so that we can find new solutions. Right. And it really, it shows that you're, one of your strengths, which of course, you
1: know, is your attention to details and being able to sort of sort out things in different contexts, the, you know, the critical and the non-critical pieces, probably also useful in computer science as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it, it's a problem-solving problem. Solving problem <laughs> with exactly. so, yeah. Absolutely. Have you ever worried about failing? And if so, yes.
1: what you do to overcome the fear or yeah. how did you do to write it?
2: Everybody worries about failing, right? Um, and I'm <laughs> sure. I think there's the inherent it doesn't feel good to fail, it doesn't feel good to fall um, mm-hmm. part. Um, but also, there's a social pressure around failure, which is actually different in different communities. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I live in Silicon Valley, so I know it's a bubble. It's a total bubble where mm-hmm. failure here, mm-hmm. right? Failure is like, oh yeah, we know how many how many stories have you tried and failed that. Um, right. On the one hand, it's celebrated, quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes here. Right. On the other hand, um, the overnight success is also celebrated. Where right. people keep saying, oh, yeah, this person suddenly, you know, became a multimillionaire, went IPO with this company. Uh, what they don't talk about is the seven-year journey leading that to that overnight success. Mm-hmm. And what they don't talk about is all the failures behind that one success, right? And so right. I, I so that's starting to be talked about, but but the, the story of, oh, the underdog you know, dropped out of Yale, suddenly had overnight success. Like that is so powerful as a story, so gripping that that that's how you tell the story. And then people take it at face value. Um, But over time, you realize, wait, that is not that is not the only thing happening here. There's a lot of kind of trial and error. Everything's kind of trial and error, right? Even like penicillin was discovered Mm -hmm. as trial and error. So so there's a lot of trial and error that happens. Nobody talks about the trial and errors. Um, and so there's this myth about entrepreneurship being, hey, you have to, you're just really good, and then you have overnight success. And the reality is, no, you're not really good. You're like everybody else. You try, right. You're try. you really courageous is what you are. You tried a lot of things. You're willing to take the failure. You're willing to take the nose, and you keep going. There's a lot of tenacity in entrepreneurship. And then eventually you figure it out. Um, And something, and and let me let me ask
1: you this: the the fact of the matter is, on those difficult days when things don't work out, and I'm thinking about, of course, you being a woman and an Asian woman and having to raise capital, what have you done to um, in in those difficult moments to kind of help you yourself through them?
2: Yeah, Uh, having a solid support network has been really important, and. Mm -hmm it it took me a long time to build that and, and understand the, the value of that. Um, and, you know, I think initially you have your, your friends you can reminisce with, um, your spouse, and just mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. of to, to hold you. People who can be like, yes, pat you in the back, you can cry on my shoulder. And that's very important. I think having that network is very important. That's the first mm-hmm. network you get, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's the second network that you need also, which I'm still building, right? Which is the one that says okay you're fine you've fallen there's no blood you're fine get up keep going <laughs> right right and right, that right. network is also important um and so having that like people who not just say because there's people who take care, like be like you're fine you know everything will be fine mm-hmm. um that builds your kind of your stability but then you need right. people who have your confidence too people who says Hey, look, you fall. Everybody falls. And that might to be try something. To normalize it. Yeah. 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 People who challenge you and say, hey, you know, it's a, it's the coach, right? It's the coach in the in the gym or whatever who's like, yeah, this is going to hurt. This is part right. of the journey. Right. <laughs> Just right. get up and keep going. Or if you, you know, actually hurt yourself, oh, like there's blood here. Let's look at it. <laughs> let's let's, right. let's uh, actually, you know, take care of it and then move forward, right? Like people who know when to help you just just dust it off and keep going and, and be right. like, okay, now you need to take a little break because you want to break your muscles or you've broken some bones or whatever, yeah. right? Like people who kind of help right. you gauge that because some of it is you don't really know. It's like when you're picking up a new sport, you don't really know. Um,
0: right. Are you going a
2: little too far? Are you stretching too far? Um, or are you just in an un- uncomfort zone because you're supposed to be? Connie,
1: you know what? You're not going to believe it. We're going to have to already stop. Um, today i wanted to thank you so much for sharing with our listeners your motivation for why you chose to be a female entrepreneur and also how you overcame some of the psychological issues that you encountered where can people reach you to learn more about your work
2: yeah i'm at www.productmaestro.com and uh, you can find out more about me there Um, I have a mailing list also that I share, you know, product uh, webinars, uh, free webinars, as well as product strategy uh, and storytelling musings with my list. So you can also join the list.
1: Thank you so much, Connie. Super interesting. And um, have a great rest of the week.
2: Yeah. Thank you, Leslie. Thanks for having me. It's been a great chat with you.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Women Entrepreneurs Global, the first startup studio and digital DIY startup platform for women. For more information on her guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit womenentrepreneurs.global. We believe an open and non-stigmatizing dialogue about the hidden psychological difficulties experienced by many successful entrepreneurs and highlighting the strategies used to overcome them, such as the fear of failure, of not being good enough, and that loud, chattering internal critic is critical to helping other founders achieve success. Please join her next week for more Mindset for Success stories. That was Dr. Leslie Knudsen, and you can drop her a line at dr.lesleyknudsen at dr.lesleyknudsen.com.